Hello everybody, this is our second sermon looking at our series of characters in the Bible, particularly characters that have gone through difficult experiences. We're seeing how God provides what is necessary just at the right time. Today the character we're looking at is Jacob and the reading is Genesis chapter 28 verses 10 to 22. When we think of the patriarchs, the people of the Old Testament, blessed with covenant relationship with God, we think of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. In the list of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews, we find Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We think fondly of Jacob as one of the founders of the faith, an upright man, a leader, A man blessed by God who promised his children would become a mighty nation. In respect to his importance and upstanding, he was a saint of Israel. When we look closely at Jacob, we see he was blessed by God. And there is no disputing that he was indeed the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. But he was certainly no saint. Jacob was a rogue. Jacob was a liar. Jacob was a scheming scoundrel of a man rather than a saint. By the time we reach the beginning of Genesis 28, there's no denying the real Jacob. Right from the first seconds of his life, he's been causing trouble, wrestling with his brother Esau in Rebekah's womb. I know my brother and I fought and quarrelled when we were young, but fighting before birth is a whole new low. His liking for hostility is increasingly evident as he comes out of the womb, tightly grasping Esau's heel, seemingly trying to drag him back in so that he gains the prestigious birthright of the firstborn son. This attempt to gain favour at precisely three seconds old failed, but it earned him the name Jacob. Literally, he grasped the heel, for he deceives. As he grows up, Jacob is not going to give up on this quest for prominence, favour and authority without a fight, and he becomes ruthless. First, he blackmails the birthright off Esau by holding his starving brother to ransom over a bowl of lentil stew. Secondly, he ruthlessly robs Esau of his blessing. As blind and dying Isaac lies in wait for Esau to bless him, Jacob steals in and preys upon his defenceless father going to the drastic lengths of placing goat skins on his skin and putting on Esau's clothes so that he smelt and felt like him, he robbed Esau's blessing. Jacob was clearly no saint. When Israel comes to learn of the way Jacob for a second time had robbed him of what he was due, he exclaimed aloud, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Esau's left with nothing, and he bitterly wails in distress, imploring his father to offer him some words of blessing, but all he receives is a promise that his future would be one of poverty and servanthood. You can sense Esau's anger building inside him as he listens to his terrible future. Your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches. You will live by the sword. And then the final straw, the breaking point. You, Esau, will serve your brother. By this point Esau is in an inconsolable rage. The thought that he'd have to spend a lifetime serving the brother who'd made his life a misery was unbearable. 
It would be a sickening life of taunting and mockery, and in his rage he screams, I will kill my brother Jacob. Rebecca, hearing Esau's scream, is immediately fearful for her beloved Jacob, and together they hatch a plan to get Jacob away for a while till Esau's anger has subsided. So Jacob, after being blessed again by his father, leaves for Rebekah's brother's house in Haran. Now, Haran is a month-long arduous journey from Beersheba. The 550-mile journey wanes its way through Hebron, Jerusalem, Bethel and Shechem. And by the time he reaches Bethel, over 60 miles of hard walking in baking heat and on rough stony roads, Jacob is exhausted and he falls asleep. And as he enters this deep and much-needed sleep, he dreams. Not just any old dream, but a dream from the Lord. In his dream, he sees a vast stairway reaching from heaven to earth. And on it are angels descending and ascending, carrying messages back and forth between heaven and humanity. Not only were there angels, but there, standing above the stairway, stood the all-powerful Holy Lord himself. And suddenly in the dream, the Lord begins to speak directly to Jacob. Jacob's own message from heaven. As Jacob dreamt, he must have been expecting judgment. Judgment for the way he'd stolen off his brother. Judgment for the way he'd broken and divided the family home. Judgment for the way he'd brought his mother to tears, all because of his greed. As the Lord begins to speak to him, Jacob must have thought his dream was about to become a nightmare. Yet what he heard must have shocked Jacob. The Lord does not chastise him. The Lord does not condemn or bring judgment that Jacob deserves. The Lord issues promises. And these are not just any old promises either. Jacob receives the special covenant promises as given to Abraham. The promise that he would receive land and descendants. The promise that he would be blessed, not cursed. In fact, the whole chosen line of God would flow through him. This promise is huge. Jacob is to be in covenant relationship with God himself. And the promise doesn't even stop here. Amazingly, he receives even more promises than Abraham did. Promise that God would be with him personally. That God would always be watching over him, guarding him. Promises that he would bring him back to this land after his exile and that the Lord would never leave Jacob's side. These are astounding promises and Jacob wakes with a start. And his initial stunned, awestruck reaction is to proclaim, Surely the Lord is in this place. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And after declaring his belief in the Lord, he, shortly exhausted, falls back to sleep. Now, he would have thought that this encounter with the God of heaven and earth and the receiving of these incredible promises would have changed Jacob completely. Yet, by the time he wakes the next day, he has already descended back into his old deceitful ways. Seeing an opportunity, he embarks on another of his deceptive schemes. Just as with the bowl of lentil stew, he seeks to strike a bargain. It doesn't appear to matter to Jacob that this time he's not just bargaining with his older brother, but the awesome, all-powerful Lord God himself. 
If God was going to be the beneficiary of Jacob's praise and worship, God was going to have to fulfil his conditions of the contract first. If God will be with me, if God will protect me, if God will feed me, if God will clothe me and return me, then I will worship him. Even after God's amazing, undeserved promises, Jacob still remains a deceptive schemer. He's no longer just grasping the heel here, but biting the hand that feeds him as well. Jacob was no saint. And it seems outrageous. How can God offer such great promises to such an arrogant, vindictive, deceitful man who has ruthlessly ruined his brother, divided his family and thrown all their love for him back in their faces? What is more, when Jacob is trying to blackmail him, why does God fulfil every word of his promise? Why does God abundantly bless Jacob with twelve sons? Why does he make him the nation of Israel? Why does he give him a name that will forever be written in history? This whole passage seems unfair, unjust, demeaning for all people who try to live godly lives. It's outrageous. But just maybe there's more to this story than meets the eye. On a deeper second look, Jacob's seemingly arrogant and twisted vow was just a cover, a mask for the intense anguish and fear he felt inside. You see, Jacob would have been in despair. He was running for his life. He would have been gripped by fear. His feet cut by the jagged stones in the roads, the sun beating all feeling of life out of him. He was a long way from home, a long way from civilization at all, and vulnerable and alone. He's out there sleeping under the stars. And the terror that he must have felt for his life would have been added to by the terrible remorse and regret for deceiving his blind, helpless father. The pangs of conscience would have been stabbing at Jacob's tired heart. He'd been banished from his home, banished from his family, banished from his mother. He's been exiled from the people he loves. And his mother's anguish and tearful final embrace must have scarred Jacob's mind. The loving warmth from her body, which he'd known so well, must have gone cold. The sense of touch from her arms tightly wrapped around him, long gone. Being no doubt, as his story begins, Jacob is alone and he's afraid and he is desperate. The man who had once had so much self-confidence was shattered. And this vow, this vow was a final pathetic attempt to retain some dignity and pride. In all truth, Jacob was a broken and a desperate man. A long way from home, a long way from his mother, seemingly a long way from God. And it's at this point, this point when Jacob is most vulnerable, most in need, at the lowest ebb of human existence, that God draws near. It didn't matter who Jacob was, that he was a liar and a cheat. It didn't matter what he'd done, the theft, the deceit, the greed. All that mattered to God was that one of his beloved children was broken, hurting, in despair. And it's here that we see God's overwhelming heart of compassion. In issuing his promises, he showed Jacob that he was not alone. God was with him. God hadn't given up on him. In fact, he never would. He would never leave his side. 
Jacob was not a failure beyond hope. In God, there was the opportunity for forgiveness and a fresh start. You see, in his dream, Jacob didn't find a God to run from, but a God to run to. He didn't find a God who had rejected him, but a God who would stand with him in the toughest experiences of his life and bring him out on the other side. In his dream, Jacob encountered the God of love. And yes, this is outrageous grace. Yes, this is incredible mercy. But this is a real life insight into the heart of God. The God who loves to draw near and declare, I am with you. And the amazing truth is that God's compassion and forgiveness and love doesn't end here with Jacob. Through Jesus, God has declared for all time, I am with you. In coming to the world as a vulnerable baby who would grow up into hostility and suffering, God stands with broken and hurting humanity for the rest of time. Jesus of Nazareth was indeed Emmanuel, God with us. And through him, this abundance of grace and mercy that was given to Jacob extends even to us today. From the point of despair that Jacob felt in this story, he was indeed blessed. He had 12 sons. He was brought back to his land in chapter 35. He was the father of Israel. And God did eventually change Jacob from his arrogant scheming. But it was while he was still a sinner that God reached out to him. And this pattern is again repeated through Jesus. Countless times Jesus met people who were certainly no saints and he reached out to them. Yes, the Samaritan woman, the woman caught in adultery, Levi the tax collector, the thief on the cross. They were all sinners. But they were also people with broken hearts who were suffering immense pain. And all of them would change their lives after encountering Jesus. But it was while they were still sinners that God reached out to them in their brokenness. And this promise of grace is open to you and me today. And some of us here might be feeling like Jacob, broken and hurting, afraid, in despair. Some of us here may be estranged from family, exiled from their loved one's arms, either through bereavement or arguments in the past. Maybe like Jacob, this breakup of relationship has left you with an overwhelming sense of guilt that will seemingly prevent you from ever being happy again. Or maybe you're listening to this and you just feel vulnerable. You feel alone. You feel a a long way from home and safety. Wherever you are today, however you feel, God knows your exact circumstances and he wants to bring his love into your life. He wants to bring peace and healing to your broken heart. And the amazing truth is that God's promise to us today is the same as it was to Jacob. I'm with you. I'll watch over you wherever you go. I will not leave you. And through Christ, I will bring you home. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have done. Through Christ, there is forgiveness. There is hope. And there is an encounter with the abounding love of God. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us.